0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Timothy writes that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And Jesus tells the people, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And each Sunday we preach and we read and we proclaim the inspired Word of God. We read from the Old Testament, from the writings also of the Apostles, uh, from the letters of Paul and Peter, James, John. We read from one of the Gospel writers from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And through these scriptures, The Spirit works. He works to convict people of their sin, and He works to offer the full and free forgiveness of those sins through Jesus Christ. God's Word is living and active, it kills and it makes alive. And in our reading from Exodus this morning, we have God speaking to the people of Israel having released them from their slavery in Egypt, having brought them through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, (coughs) feeding them manna from heaven, giving them water from the rock, protecting them from their enemies, and finally bringing them there to Mount Sinai. And God reveals himself to the people. Moses had declared to the people, Yahweh sent me. And now here at the mountain, Yahweh reveals himself. He does it in a profound way. And I'm not talking about the booming voice that the people heard. I'm not talking about the the great fire that should have consumed the, the very mountain. I'm not talking about the cloud of smoke that rose up from the mountain so that the people described it like it was a burning furnace. I mean that He revealed Himself to the people in the giving of the law. Not just the tablets of stone, that would come later, but first God spoke the law to the people. Luther says this, if God were to come to deal with us in His true person and majesty, we would be lost. No one would believe it if he were to utter a word strong enough to resound from heaven to earth. No one would be able to endure a voice as great and powerful as the one on Mount Sinai when he spoke with trumpet blasts amid a great display of thunder with the entire mountain on fire and enveloped in smoke. And what is it that Jesus, that God speaks to the people there, to Israel? He speaks what is required of them as his people. God is holy, and the people must be holy. You shall have no other gods. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder, steal, lie, covet. Obey all the commandments, and you will be perfect and without sin. Obey each commandment fully, as Martin Luther explains in the Catechism. Fully, not just in the the surface words, but the intent of the commandment. Not just outwardly, but inwardly, with your mind, with your heart, and you will be pure. God is holy, he's perfect, he's good, his people must be also, if they are to dwell together. And the people at Sinai, they say, we'll do it. And then even before the tablets make it down the mountain, they are looking to other gods. They're collecting gold, and they're getting Aaron to build for them a golden calf. They say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Because the people are not pure. They are not holy. They have the same sinful flesh that you and I have. And our flesh is an enemy of God. It is fallen. It is corrupt. It seeks its own glory, seeks its own good. It wants to be its own God. And before Moses comes down the mountain, before he sees the golden calf, God does an amazing thing. He gives the people a way to be rescued from their sin. Not only does he say, this is what you need to do to be holy, but knowing that they will fail, he gives them a way out. He makes a way for himself to dwell among the people. He gives them instruction through Moses. He gives Moses the instruction there on the mountain to build the tabernacle. Later it would be the temple. The place where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the mercy seat is, there in the Holy of Holies. The place, the tabernacle, the temple, where the sacrifices could be offered, where the blood could be spilled that would atone for people's sin. Where God's righteous anger might be appeased and you and I we need a tabernacle we need a temple we need a place where atonement can be made for sin Psalm 43 says the fool says in his heart there is no God they are corrupt doing abominable iniquity there is none who does good God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. You and I who are descended from Adam and Eve, we have inherited this corrupted, sinful flesh. And without a tabernacle, without some way to offer the sacrifices that the Holy God demands, we are lost and condemned. Without the shedding of blood that God says covers our sin, we remain in the power of the devil, and we reap the wages of our sin, which is death. The tabernacle is the place of sacrifice, beginning with King Solomon, his holy temple. And look how important it was to Jesus in our gospel reading today. It's Passover in Jerusalem, Jesus is there, the Son of God comes to his own temple and he finds that the solemn and holy place is overrun. The place where sins are forgiven, the place where there is innocent shedding of blood, a place where sinful people can come and offer their prayers of thanks and praise to God the Father. This holy place has been turned into a house of trade where greedy people have set up their booths to sell, to make a quick buck from the masses. And Jesus drives them out. He cleanses the temple. And the leadership take offense at him. They ask him, By what authority do you do this? By what authority do you cleanse the temple and make it a house of prayer? That's the question. By his own authority as the Son of God. Sent to cleanse not only God's house but people as well. His authority is from his Father. And Jesus is accomplishing a plan of salvation that predates the temple, predates the The tabernacle predates Mount Sinai, predates Abraham, predates the universe. Jesus answers the Jews and says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And of course that's ludicrous right and they tell him that you're all washed up it took 46 years to build this temple are you going to raise it in three days but of course he's not talking about the physical temple he's talking about his own body that temple the temple of Jesus body is going to be destroyed by the very Jews who questioned his authority What authority, they asked, did he have to cleanse God's house and make it a house of prayer? But Jesus and God's plan is far superior to that of the Jews. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Son of God in human flesh lived under God's law, lived under those Ten Commandments. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself, as is required by the law. He fulfilled every one of the commandments, God's demand for holy living, and then lovingly, purposefully he himself became the sacrifice that atones for our sin. The perfect righteous holy Son of God laid down his life to redeem ours. Take out a hymnal there and turn to page 322 in the front page 322. I'm going to read the explanation, Luther's explanation to the second article of the Creed, the the article of the Creed that talks about Jesus Christ and who He is. It says, what does this mean? Let's read it together. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is what we confess when we make confession in the Creed that Jesus Christ is our Savior from sin, that He died on the cross for us, that He rose from the dead. The tabernacle, the temple, were the places where people could come, sinful people could come and meet God, where atonement for sin could be made, where sinful people could escape death and hell and destruction. The wage that is due for sin. But these, the tabernacle and the temple, they just pointed the way to another tabernacle, to another temple, another body, to the body of Jesus Christ. They pointed to the sacrifice that Jesus would make, the shedding of His own innocent blood, the innocent blood of God, a precious price that sets us free. The Christian symbol around the world is the cross. The cross is the method of torture and death on which our Lord Jesus died. There also He bled and for that reason We put crosses in our church, we put crosses on our church to tell everybody this is the place that you can come if you are a believer in Christ, you can gather together here and you can sing your praises to God and you can thank Him for what He did for you on the cross. This is where the redeemed gather. This is where friends of the redeemed might hear for the first time the gospel message. We hang crosses on the walls in our homes. We wear them around our necks to remind us of what God has done on that cross. It is not the cross that saves us. It is the blood that was shed on the cross. And this is our symbol of that. Paul says... The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It seems like unlikely power. The word of the cross seems like foolishness to the wisdom of this age also. I don't need religion as a crutch to hold me up to prop me up they say. I have science after all. I have the collective brains of all the smart people in the world telling me where I came from and where I am going and where all of this came from. I don't need religion. I don't need saving. I have my own voice inside of me directing me what to do what's best for me. Why would I want to listen to a God who wants to place a set of rules, a set of commandments on my shoulder? Why would I want to follow a man who was killed by the Romans two thousand years ago? And of course if Jesus' body were still in the tomb, if the women had not seen the angel and the stone rolled away, if Jesus had not appeared to his disciples and said peace be with you, if Paul had not met the risen Lord Jesus, if Jesus Christ had not raised his temple, his body back to life after three days and appeared over and over again to the disciples and to many others proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was alive again. If none of this had happened we would all be fools. But instead, we are sons and daughters of the King. We are heirs with Jesus of eternal life. Because God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. He chose His Son. He chose the cross. He chose suffering and the shedding of innocent blood. He chose to give a cleansed heart, to give salvation, to give eternal life to you as a gift. And so we preach and we confess Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jew and Gentile, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified is the power of God, the power to forgive, to redeem, to love, to save to transform you and me no other power can do this on the cross mercy and justice meet to God be the glory Amen now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Amen.